Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Republicans and Mormons seem to be my some of the people that are drawn to work with me. I don't know why. <laughs> Annie, before before I hit record, you were saying that who were the Republicans? You were saying Republicans and Mormons oh. have been in the last ten years. I mean, it kind of goes decade by decade. Sometimes it's women needing to leave their husbands. Sometimes it's. Mormons and Republicans sometimes, it's, you know, it's just interesting how people are are attracted to what you're doing that are that come from subgroups. At least that's my experience. I mean, what what a what a beautiful thought to think about, uh, like Republican lawmakers in Utah under sort of the umbrella of the church, slowly sort of finding a little bit more of that balance and finding a little bit more of that soul and the impact that that has on the the whole fucking state. Right. I mean, just the, the, the impact that that has on everyone is so beautiful and it has to be done in these ways that are just kind of, at first you got to stay anonymous and maybe you can't talk so much about it because there's conflict within not only, not only what you represent politically, but also what you represent religion. I mean, like your whole, your whole identity. Really, right. therapeutically as well. Yeah, Mo. I mean, therapeutically, top Most number one priority. Yeah, exactly. Well, I said this before we hit record, but this is already delivering on how excited I am about this episode. Um, so the three of you presented at the uh, Mormon Psychedelic Symposium, and that was back in April. And ever since then, I wanted to just not even just recreate, but like uh, even expand upon that magic that you guys presented, because I think it, it was cut short because I didn't open the yoga studio in time. And so, um, which I feel bad about, but um, yours was my favorite presentation of the symposium. And so I just been so excited since this episode. Um, so just so listeners can start putting, you know, voices with names, um, maybe we just go around and introduce the three of you. So, uh, Janae, would you like to kind of start and, and talk about yourself? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Janae. And yeah, so do you want to just know kind of about me or about this topic that we're talking about? Uh, maybe, about maybe just start with like a, a, an introduction as much as you're willing to sort of give or share and just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, who you are and and where life has brought you to, to here, how, how life has brought you to right here. And then, and then we'll circle back after everyone's kind of introduced themselves and maybe kind of get the, the, the topic okay. going a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've been on this plant medicine journey for quite a few years. It's probably been about 16 years that, that I first dove into the plant medicine world. And I just, I've, I really 
really love plant medicines. To me, it's like the gateway to self-love. And I feel like that first experience for me was like, I saw all these new perspectives about myself and just falling more and more in love with who I am. And so I, I just got more and more involved with it and started doing a lot of um, self-work with these plants and gaining relationships with these plants and working with many different traditions and different tribes and different shamans and priestesses and groups and just really wanting to learn from everyone that I came in contact with. And, and then I started to gain this wisdom inside myself of, of like all of these experiences that I've had and, and then truly integrating them and realizing what potential I have in this world and what gifts I have to offer. And then just starting to work with others and starting to help others to see who they are and know that they can have um, these realizations and awakenings. And yeah, it's just been really a really cool journey for me to go on. I've, I've, I feel like started, it started out with yoga and then I, I really fell in love with meditating and then, and then learned how to do Reiki and I became a Reiki master and learning all about energy and, and, and then sitting in a ceremony and learning the sacredness of the way that this universe is and how we can, how we can be in, in ceremony daily is just what I love about life. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I feel like um, I'm so honored to be alongside Nicole and Annie who are super knowledgeable and wise. And um, I just am really happy to be here with you guys. Oh, so happy. Can I compliment you for a second, Janae? Is that, is that okay if I kind of gush on you for just a sec? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we were, t we were, this weekend we were talking about you behind your back. Um, and you know, it's that thing where I, I've said this to you before and I've said it on the podcast about you before, just about how like you are this central foundational figure uh, in my life that you're so grounded and you're so central, I think is kind of a good word. Like I think that you create, I think that you create gravity. Like I think people just want to be around you because of how um, you you make people feel at ease. You make people, you, you have that, you have that sort of soft chuckle and smile that goes along with anyone that wherever they're going and, but you keep your own boundaries. And when we were talking about you this weekend. It was like, you know, there are people in my life who I have to almost like walk on eggshells around them for fear that I will inadvertently say something that's unintentionally offensive to that person. And then there's like a weird feeling there and, and, and I have to apologize for accidentally saying the wrong thing that I said. And, it, but you're almost, you are the complete opposite of that. I was telling Mike, I was like, dude, Janae, J Janae would not take offense unless you were intentionally directly insulting her, insulting her. She assumes the very best in everyone around her. And it makes 
not only for their life to be so easy to be around you, but I think it probably makes for your life to be less filled with trying to interpret things and trying to like give people the, the, whatever the opposite of the benefit of the doubt is like the, you know, like you're, you're, you're the opposite of that. And we were just like gushing on you all weekend. And I was like, I just want to be around Janae all the time. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Janae, I'll echo that, but I, I just want to make a plug about, you've been on, this isn't your first time on Mormons and Mushrooms. So you were on it. I just looked it up here, episode 14, where we talked about ayahuasca and then, um, also on the song circle episode as a prominent member of mountain tribe, our favorite band. So yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention that I'm a prominent member of mountain tribe. <laughs> prominent, Like w- when y'all are playing, they put you in the center for a reason, right? <laughs> like you are in the center and it, whether, whether everybody else is standing, sitting, some kind of mix, you're just standing at the center, holding that thing together. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Do y'all want to just make this a thing where I just say all the things I love about Janae for the next two hours? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I need I need to join in on the gushing. I, I gush over Janae regularly as well. <laughs> She's my little cheap priestess, and I have so so much fun with her. And uh, just we we've been having a really powerful experience this year building community that's kind of outreaching to more and more women looking to expand into not only um, the concept of like plant medicines, but the concept of all plants on this earth are medicine and cycles are medicine and elements are medicine. And so you, we, we get to all gush over Janae on this. Uh. <laughs> well, yes, we do. Well, and I want to chime in <laughs> that what I, I feel with you, Janae, darling, is a secure base. You know, there's like being people feel anxiously attached to one another or kind of avoidantly attached to one another. And then there's there are those of us that we feel securely attached, secure base. And when a person has that within their being, it feels like it radiates all around that person. Janae, you be everyone around you becomes Vibra- it starts vibrating in secure base. Uh, wow. Thanks, guys. I just love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we, we probably would just keep talking about Janae, but let's talk about those other voices people might be hearing. So, Annie, you were, you, you were the last to speak, so maybe you could introduce yourself to us a little bit. Well, my name is Annie King, and I practice craniosacral therapy here in in Salt Lake City and kind of all over the country. And um, I've been practicing a variety of different bodywork modalities and movement modalities most of my life since I was certainly in my 20s in an effort to get out of pain. I was in a lot of physical pain. And I'm, I started doing ballet and dance and yoga and meditation and cognitive behavioral therapy and neurolinguistic programming. I just started working with myself, trying to get to know myself, trying to find, get great consciousness about what the pain was, where it was, what it was about, where it came from, and how to clear it from my body. 
And eight years ago, um, after doing being raw four times and doing a lot of different things, it's still co- being at, coping with pain, not being in pain all the time, but really knowing how to cope with it. Um, I, I um, went to India and did Panchakarma and came home uh, eight years ago and started doing psychedelic somatic interactive therapy using uh, a medicine. Um, and we used Dr. Mother, we used MDMA, and we used cannabis, we used ketamine, we used um, oxytocin to f- discover what emotions are stored and held in the body and discharge them and release tension and strain and pain out of the body and come into equanimity and well-being layer by layer. And that's how I practice. It's a combination of interactive talk therapy, somatic work, body work, and medicine. What, what was it you said you did in India? Um, Panchakarma. Panchakarma is a 30-day detox wow. um, that they've been doing in India for 4,000 years. And um, it's a profound uh, rebalancing of the nervous system, the digestive system, the urinary system, the respiratory system, the blood. So it's a lunar cycle. And um, I, I've done this will be my fifth time I'm leaving on Sunday. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an it's a amazing experience and, and it slows down the nervous system and balances all of the um systems of the body yeah annie i'm i'm curious what your experience with ketamine because i'm i've recently become much more intimately acquainted with ketamine than i thought that i ever would be but what has been and i'm hearing kind of mixed i had a great time with it and and kind of really found some things within me but i'm also uh hearing you know maybe some people aren't as jazzed about it what has been your experience with with ketamine I can't speak really authoritatively on ketamine because um, I, I I know people that work with it. I know what it, it, it is beneficial for. I've watched people benefit from it. But um, in my experience, we're all like snowflakes. And for some of us, a particular medicine is medicine. And for others, it's it's not medicine. Hmm. It's it's difficult, damaging, difficult. Or I shouldn't say it's not medicine. It's just uh, it's got a different message. Um, and I've struggled with ketamine. My understanding is every medicine has a malady or a rebalancing that it's there to support, and that ketamine really helps with depression and melancholy. Hmm. It seems if it's done in a stacked series that it, along with interactive talk therapy, after and in between. Um, so in other words, not just with the intravenous with an eye bag and music, but interactive, um, that it can be uh, re- rewire the, ner- the neurons, the synapses in the, in the brain um, and help people deal with, with um, depression, but long-term, not as a coping strategy, which is what the antidepressants are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So then, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Yes. Thank, yes. Thank you for that. Um, so before we get to Nicole, I just one of the question with that, because it sounds like you work with a variety of different types of medicine. Um, how do you, do you, how do you work with uh, your clients on selecting the appropriate medicine for them at a, a given time or 
I rely on my training with the Psychedelic Somatic Institute, which their their research and their theory uh, in front of the research is based on um, studying the brain and watching what the brain, how it changes when you take uh, cannabis, how it changes when you use cannabis and you have an eye bag on, how it changes if you, you know, all of that. And so basically they've come up with protocols that I follow that I've been working with a number of people for eight years and it seems to be beneficial for most and it isn't for all. I mean, there's some people that uh, protocol and the medicines aren't beneficial for them or using medicines in a different way than the protocol that I've been trained in works for other people. So, um, but <clears throat> basically we start with nothing at all no medicine at all. And we simply help your, you gain awareness of your autonomic nervous system and what emotions you're storing in your body where. And um, we awaken to that and start asking the body to listen to what's held there. And um, I do, I integrate cranial therapy with that so that you can be in your body while you're uh, taking, uh, while you're doing nothing to begin and then take cannabis first. And see what happens. See how you respond to cannabis in your body and doing uh, listening to your autonomic nervous system at the same time. And then we, I, we put you through a number of questionnaires and tests where we're asking um, adverse childhood events. We're asking what happened in your childhood. We're asking um, uh, traumatic events like car accidents and uh, natural disasters and divorces and we want to know what your nervous system has been through. And then we want to talk, find out about your resilience. What kind of resourcing do you have? Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have a therapist that you're working with? Do you work with body workers? Do you do you have a practice? You know, what do you do? And through those, those questionnaires, those tests, you gain a lot of insight about yourself. And I can gain whether or not I have the credentials to work with you. If that you and I would be a good fit, it would be safe for you to work with me and me to work with you. And then we, we the, if that feels good and all of that is working for us, then we can do a full day session and we can uh, choose to do an MDMA session or we can choose to do a ketamine session. And it depends on if there's a lot of melancholy and depression in the system or not that makes that determination. Hmm. So it really is a snowflake approach. I think that's a long answer to a short question. But it's a perfect answer. It's I mean, perfect just, answer. Right? I, I just love, I just love the the care you're taking with it, and the uh, you know the the research mes- methods that you're applying to. Uh, um, I don't. It's just the first time I've heard of someone working with so many, but in such like a, I guess, researched approach uh, to using uh, these substances, and I and I love it. Um, the, there's a white paper on the. Psychedelic Somatic Institute website, which is a research paper that's being circulated in international psychiatric journals all over the world right now. And that's the research. That's the science and that's the theory. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a way of kind of putting all that together. <laughs> so then one, just one last question. And then, we, 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 Nicole, we want you to introduce yourself. But Annie, you, you've, you've said cranial therapy a couple of times and I, I have to admit what cranial sounds head to me, but I don't know what that is or what that means. Um, I'm saying I, I, I shorten it and use a, a diminutive. It's craniosacral therapy, okay. which um, uh, addresses the spinal cord of the brainstem, which is the matrix of your being, the 
mainframe of your nervous system. And what we've discovered is that it's uh, like it's encased by something called the dura matter, which means durable mother. So your essence or your matrix is encased and protected by a durable mother. And the, it's a sack that lines your brain and lines down to your tailbone. It looks kind of like a, a ice cream cone, but it feels like a jellyfish. It's called the dura mater. Inside that is your spinal cord, your brain stem, and the cerebral spinal fluid. And that is what we're working with. Um, releasing impacts to your cord. And you get impacts because we're big bags of water to your dura and your cord emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually. So we're working with discharging and clearing impacts to your matrix. The short, that's the short answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, geez, Louise. Yeah, <laughs> like, holy shit. I'm just sitting here wondering if we can go for five hours tonight. And that's <laughs> by the way, we won't be unfortunately, but just <laughs> but I'm wishing we could. <laughs> Damn. So, and then uh, third, Nicole. Uh, can you tell? Can you introduce and tell us a little bit about but what you who you are and what you're doing? Yeah. So I think because this is Mormons on mushrooms, I should first let you all know that I've never been a Mormon. Um, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. I consider my my parents hippies and maybe witches. You know, when I stubbed my toe in the house, it was because Mercury was in retrograde and um, very, very interesting to grow up in a town where I was the only one who didn't go to primary school. Uh, going into kindergarten, I was like, am I a stinky kid? Like what's going on here? Why don't they like me? And, and, and why can't I go to their house and hang out? Because for some reason I just was never invited, even though I tried really hard to connect. Um, and, and that's okay. And my parents were really, really beautiful. They also um, kind of navigated addiction throughout their life. So uh, drugs weren't something that were taboo in my house. In fact, I remember my mom always saying that I can't judge you for what you're going to try and do because I'm not perfect. And so I think one of the beautiful gifts being raised in that environment, even though there was some difficulties with addiction, was there was unconditional love. Mm -hmm which gave me the freedom to do pretty much whatever my heart called to do. And at a very early age, I started exotic dancing. Um, I had to put myself through college and I was enjoying things like paragliding and wanted to pay for the wings. And I also really enjoyed um, probably I wouldn't say drugs and alcohol. It's funny. I, I actually quit alcohol before I was 21, where most people are just starting it. Um, or but, in some cases uh, at 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, I had seen enough alcohol in my life to be like, yeah, that's not really for me. But I really enjoyed uh, mushrooms as a youngin, and I really enjoyed marijuana. And I probably had never understood the concept of using it ceremoniously, but I think in some ways uh, playing through the innocence and eyes of a child with some of these things is a ceremony in itself, really helping to discover ourselves. Um, in my early 20s, I became a model for High Times Magazine. And before marijuana was legal in the United States, I was traveling around uh, promoting its legalization. I hosted the 2002 Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. 
And uh, before I was done with that piece of my career, I'd done two cover model uh, images for High Times and probably 25 different full shoots. So it was really fun. Like my job for a minute was to get a joint, make really big smoke and try to open my eyes and purse my lips and look sexy. (laughs) 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 Probably not the most sacred way to start my medicine journey. And also so fun, like just so, so fun to be free. And one piece that I kind of want to mention is I went from being the stinky kid to being the kid whose house you could go smoke pot in. And so at 15 through about 18, I had the baseball team coming to smoke weed at ND's house. And I remember one particular time, one of the boys had gone home to his Mormon parents and they smelled it on him. And he was asked to leave the house and like, there was nowhere for him to go. So he spent two nights next to the Jordan River, sleeping next to the Jordan River, waiting to be able to go home. Now, I don't know if this is how it's handled in all LDS households, but he was driven to my house a few days later because he really wanted to have a bed to sleep in. And he had to, with his mom standing there, tell me that he could not travel into my house anymore because Holy Spirit wouldn't follow him in there or something of those lines. And I thought, you know, I always had judged Mormons for being so judgmental of me. And right then I realized that like they, they didn't have the freedom I had to follow their heart and learn what yeses were for them. And no, because in the end, we're all tribal beings and we need our tribe to survive. And there's like an oppression to that concept of being able to, and even scarier, this like, um, concept that there's a devil that you won't get to the highest level of certain heavens and you'll be punished monotheistic religion is a big piece of why people are sick today and so i'll get to that piece i was into yoga and doing my dancing and opened up salt lake city's first pole dancing studio Uh, ran that for three years before i broke my spine from backbending, from doing too much yoga. I broke my spine and spilling. And in that process, ended up working with a Czech practitioner and rehabilitating what doctors told me I couldn't do without a surgery. Uh, At that point, I had closed my pole dancing business, just trying to go through my own healing process as a single mom and went to the school, the Czech Institute. So Paul Czech, Czech Institute, stands for Corrective Holistic Exercise and Kinesiology. I spent almost 10 years learning osteopathic, physical therapy, um, traditional like Chinese medicine, herbology, organs, holistic lifestyle work, and applied it to myself and began applying it to others. And what I love about the Czech Institute is once you've gone through all of the science, um, really important that you know the science, then he teaches us to forget everything we know and learn how everything is energy and spirit. And so the last few years of this whole uh, international holistic school is shamanism. And that we have to be able to not the body mind, but also the spirit. And a big piece of that is he teaches us that plant medicines can be a really great catalyst in the process of healing somebody. I'm finding with the, uh, 
psychedelic renaissance and this coming out that a lot of people are going to it as a form of like, well, almost Western medication. Like I take this and I get better. Right. But in the process that I take people through and work with myself is no, we make the steps to get better. We create, you know, all of our survival, safety, security needs are met and we start to heal through the three-dimensional world. And then we take the medicines to uh, stand in the mirror and find out, you know, where our blockages are and what else. Um, also what the vibration of love feels like to understand like what the top of the mountain feels like. And when those medicines wear off and the elevator comes down, feeling what you got to do next to get back up there without the medicines. And so when I work with people, it's usually a year long process sometimes of measuring the body, measuring the organs, teaching breath and lifestyle practices, and then integrating medicine work with that to help, I mean, use everything that was put on this earth for us to heal with. Holy smokes. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, I got to tell you, it just uh, a little tiny thing flared up for me when you were talking about this uh, uh, teenage boy who his folks smelled uh, cannabis on him and, and kicked him to the curb. It's funny. Um, I literally, Mike wasn't kidding. I didn't have my first sip of alcohol until I was 33. I didn't try any form of, of cannabis until I was probably 34 or five. But as a teenager, I would frequently come home and my my dad would you know say goodnight to me hug me that kind of thing and 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 then accuse me of smelling like weed which is is funny and you know i'd always kind of get in trouble i'd have to like explain like i don't smell like weed but it was funny because i didn't even know what i didn't even know what that would smell like i had no idea this accusation that's being made against me i'm like i don't even fucking know what that smell is like i was a, i was a i was a teetotaler i i had no clue what moves would do he to me? Have. What he knew what that? he smelled like. Yeah, that's well. He knew what. Yeah, well, Obviously. either that or my bio just smelled like weed. I, I don't know. But like, he give off a natural. Well, it's funny. Weed musk. I don't know what. What? Sorry, Mike. What'd you say? Oh, I said you just give off a natural weed musk. That, that just I just kind like of weed. have. I just kind of have a weedy vibe. But like, I just. <laughs> I I don't know what would have happened to me. So my heart kind of went out to that that kid you were talking about suddenly because I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I actually was guilty of that as a 16 year old. I don't, I mean, I could have been sleeping down by the Jordan River. I don't, I have no idea. It's interesting just hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It's, we all have our own things that we have to face in our families. And, the biggest thing I think that we need growing up through those ages where we're so unsure of ourselves is just reassurance that we're going to be loved, even if we make mistakes. Mm. Totally. I just have to chime in because I feel like I had a similar upbringing as Nicole, but, but not because my parents are super LDS and they are the most unconditional loving people ever. And so when I was 16 and I decided, uh, I don't really feel like the church is my vibe, you know, like I'm not really feeling it. Um, my parents would ask me on Sunday, are you coming to church with us? And I'm, I would just be like, no, I don't want to. And they, they never once like gave me a guilt trip. They never once made me feel bad about it. They just would always let me know like, okay, 
and we're glad that you're listening to your heart and just like know that you know, you know, you know, what's best for you, you know? Wow. And so that's how I got raised was like, what she's saying is just knowing that my parents were always going to love me. And so I did, I got to experience a lot of really cool things because I just followed my heart. And I think that's so important. And it, it is kind of sad that like a lot of people don't get that until they leave the church, you know? Yeah. 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 And then there's an overcorrection, I think that happened. I mean, that's, I, I went through an overcorrection, right. Of like, okay, I'm going hard on everything now that I don't believe. And, yeah. and that, that kind of messed with me a little bit too. Yeah. 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 I, I'm from Texas and I didn't know anything about Mormons until I was in my thirties. I grew up in the Baptist church. And so when people say the church, I think Baptist, you know, so um, I, I've lived here for 35 years, but I've lived here going up in the mountains and being part of the mountain culture. And I really haven't known many Mormon people, many people that were in the church or left the church or, um, until the last 10 or 15 years. And then when I started doing uh, uh, PSI work and people of the Mormon faith started coming to me, I learned so much about the religion and how it's affected a lot of people, how religion in, on its own, because a lot of people feel that having grown up around Mormonism or that it's the it's it's unique in some way, but it's really very similar to so many other religions. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I've just recently learned about Mormons and, and still learning. <laughs> so I guess that brings up a question as you guys have worked with Mormons, you know, especially coming from an outside, like an outsider's perspective, um, even, you know, Nicole, kind of an inside outsider um, and Annie, an outsider. It, what, what have you seen, you know, some of the issues that as you've worked, you know, with, with Mormons? When I'm looking at the body from a musculoskeletal and organ perspective, each chakra or energy center, which they've identified in, you know, uh, several different um, traditions is connected to different organs and glands in the body. And through my schooling, we've identified that each chakra develops during certain stages of life. So for example, the root chakra is at the base of our perineum and it's, it's, got a shadow and a light emotion. So the shadow emotion of the root chakra is fear and the light is safety and security. Okay. So when somebody's first seven years are filled with, and we can get this from either somebody saying there's a devil and he's watching out for you. And if you touch yourself in a certain way, you can be like developing fear in that chakra, which then eventually affects your adrenals later on which affects your thyroid. Um, And then the second chakra, when we move up the next seven years, seven through 14 is when we develop our gonads, you know, our organs of pleasure. And so the light emotion of the second chakra is pleasure and the shadow uh, emotion of the second chakra. And so a lot of, um, cancers of Nicole just a second it cut off when you were you were saying what the shadow emotion was of the ah, interesting guilt guilt okay yeah that is that is yeah. interesting because I, I'm glad I had you say it because yeah we needed to hear that 
Yeah. And so, you know, this, these formative times when our genitals are developing and we're learning the sensation of pleasure through touching them, like being programmed to feel guilty about that then creates later on in life. So when I'm working with people that have like prostate cancer or uh, uterine cancer, or, you know, there's, there's obviously physical aspects to why these things happen, but there's also a mental emotional aspect. And without going back through and looking at that, that programming and rewriting the story for, you know, our 10 year old self that got caught masturbating, that we're not wrong or bad, or even having sex with somebody. Uh, The third chakra moves up between the ages of 15 through 21 the light emotion for this is self-confidence and personal power. And if you think about, you know, anyone at ages 15 through 21, they're like finding their own way and probably rebelling a little bit, just learning what's right for them, not just everything that they've been told. The shadow emotion chakra is shame. And so a lot of people, if we look at where this chakra is, which is just above the belly button, this is where our digestive organs are. So people have a hard time um, digesting or metabolism problems or liver problems can oftentimes be traced back to those ages of 15 through 21. And, and where was it that they were taught to be shameful? So guilt is something I've done and I should feel guilty about it. Shame is who I am. Like you can't change who I am. And so a lot of healing when people come to me, I'm like, yes, we're going to look at diet. We're going to look at how you breathe. We're going to look at, you know, toxins in your environment. But if we don't do, I call it front door, back door healing. The front door is all the physical stuff. But if we don't go through the back door and look at all the beliefs that we created based on what we were taught, that's why I say, you know, we're taught through the system I work through that monotheistic religion breeds a lot of disease. You know, there's only one way and it's God way, God's way. And if you don't believe in this God or they don't, they're not worthy or going to um, be healthy. And so you, those subconscious thoughts create our body. We are creators. Hmm. I could go on through the chakras, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, please keep going. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So uh, 21 through 28, we move into the heart chakra. So this is oftentimes when we get married and the emotions for the heart chakra are all about giving and receiving love. The element is air. And so when, when we get into this, uh, marriage time, learning how to balance our giving and receiving is is as equal to how we inhale and exhale. And to the degree that we were taught martyrdom, like you got to give, give, give to excess, oftentimes you can't catch your breath. You can't breathe. And there's the front door healing to that, where I just teach you how to breathe. And we count to six on the inhale and count to six on the exhale. Then I get to watch it reflect in the lives and marriages of the people who come to me who stopped breathing because they're not in a comfortable relationship where giving and receiving love is balanced. Moving up to the throat, ages 28 through 35, this is where we speak our needs and our truth, and we also share our creativity with the world. So um, Utah is number one out of all the country, all the world for thyroid issues thyroid issues. Uh, So when I see neck or thyroid issues, I know that that person is not either feeling heard or feeling safe to share what they're, they're needing to. And oftentimes the the throat and the second chakra, they are a mother daughter relationship. So if our womb is where we create life, 
our throat is where we actually speak and create words into being abracadabra. I speak and I will create. And so um, we're number one for thyroid stuff because so many women either aren't being heard or can't share how they're feeling about like being taught to overly give out of balance with the receiving. And then we go up to the sixth chakra, which is ages 35 through 42. Its element is light. And this is all about developing our intuition and being in balance with like the light and dark of day and night. And so all of these other chakras have to be met for us to move into intuition. The uh, idea of having the sixth sense, being able to see auras or know psychically what's going on. That's not a gifted thing to just some people. It's readily available to every single human being on earth. It's the senses that we needed to live off the land and hunt and, and do all the things. And um, if those other chakras are not fully developed, we don't actually access that inner vision during those ages. You know, if we feel guilty or if we never fully developed into being the rock star that we wanted to be, because our parents said we had to be a nurse or a, a mom of six children and and these are blocked, then we can't raise that energy up to that, that inner knowing up here, the pineal gland. Then you go to the crown, which is your connection with the divine. And that's ages 42 through 50. Uh, when all of this has been developed through the lessons that you're supposed to get through those ages, the divine is really nature. Like it's the universe, it's the stars, it's the plants. And um, the, the, the concept there is knowing that you are that and that that is you and that everyone, you know, it's not just about healing you anymore. It's about healing everyone because we all are, you know, on this joyride, this rocket ship, this star canoe blasting through the universe together. Our canoe, holy shit. <laughs> and, um, and if you've fully developed that, you go back down to teaching the lessons every seven years of the different chakras. You become an elder. And if you don't, you get to go back down through 50 on back through the chakras to relearn the lessons. That's why you see a lot of people in their 60s, like get a divorce because they're back in their heart and they have to like get really clear on whether they're receiving or giving love and balance. I don't know how I don't even remember the question that we started on that. Thank you for well, letting you, me. You nailed it because the question was, how do you see Mormon clients affected? Um, and in going through all that, I can see how blockages all along the way in living in a very dogmatic religion that um, teaches you to fit inside a box. I mean, I've been working with this vocal. Um, it's a different type of vocal instructor where she's actually working through your chakras kind of thing. Um and as I was talking about, you know, I was talking about Mormon Palooza last weekend and like wanting to sing better and stuff. And uh, she, I'd never heard this before, but she was just kind of saying, you, this is not just about opening your voice to sing. This is about opening your voice to speak your truth of your, yet. you, you started by saying your yeses and your noes with the, I think with the, the, the teenage boys that were coming over, they didn't learn their yeses and their noes. She's like, you, you, you were learning now to speak your yeses, speak your needs and also speak your boundaries. And you haven't been able to do that. And so no wonder why you have blockages basically is what she was saying. And they show up in the body on a physical scale. So I measure every muscle in the body to find out where people are short and tight and long and weak. And I can give them every stretch in the world for their pec minor and pec major. But if they don't identify that they're in a relationship that's got their heart closed and do something about it 
all those stretches aren't going to change the energy that they're moving around to stay closed. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so cool. I'm kind of a little gobsmacked here because I'm I'm mentally kind of going through. There's probably some. There's probably you're seeing a, seeing a lot of arrested development in those stages that you know you kind of went through the ages and, and the development of those chakras, and it's probably I, I'm I'm probably being autobiographical here a little bit, but there's there's likely people who are stunted in 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 that development right that 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 maybe went through some of those stages and you know you you mentioned the the light and the dark side of each one of those chakras and and that that's i i i'm just trying to learn here but i'm just i'm absorbing what you're saying and kind of you know indexing those ages through my life i mean you might as well have just gone through my life as far as the stages that i was going through and mm -hmm. i'm sitting here kind of almost almost being really introspective about, well, maybe I did go a little bit to the dark on a lot of these types of things because I didn't have a healthy um, relationship with myself, first of all. I mean, that was probably the most uh, the most important relationship that I, I didn't develop um, during those stages. Yeah, well, we all do to some degree, whether it's religious or not. We've all felt shame or we've all felt guilt. When most of us, you know, we're being raised by people that have an emotional IQ of a 12 year old. I mean, there's not a lot of elders that are on this earth. I feel very blessed that I've found some really great teachers to help me grow. And I'm still figuring it all out. I still have shame from time to time. It's, it's natural, but it's also going to make us sick if we don't like take the ability to reflect on that. And Carolyn Mice, if you guys ever heard of Carolyn Mice, she's a doctor, she's a medical intuitive, and, and she actually goes through and shows through the Catholic religious, and I think that there are some Mormon um, traditions, so like the baptismal at age eight, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're shifting from the root chakra into the second chakra, and, and marriage, so there's like these different religious markers that, that match the growth of our chakra system. Thank you. Uh, that's, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, it's not often Mike and I are speechless on this podcast, but I feel like we're both kind of speechless right now. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Go and ahead. just to bring it back to your voice lessons, Mike, you can actually use, and I'm sure Janae's done this with everything that she's done, the musical scale, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, as a diagnostic for where you're blocked. Mm -hmm. And so if you can't get to the ray or the T and it's coming out weird, you know, color and sound are vibration and vibration and frequency are emotion. And you can use it as a diagnostic tool. And also music as medicine, that same vibration repeated over and over can unblock those blockages. Um, those pec stretches I give people can open their heart so they can tell their husband they don't want to be in the relationship anymore or that they need to go to therapy. So um, there's just so much beautiful medicine and all of the growth in many ways that we all work together. Mm -hmm. um, so, so maybe we can talk about the way that the three of you work together. Um, what are you up to? What are you doing? I, that, that's a really big, broad, open-ended question on purpose. <clears throat> um, well, well, Nicole and I and another sister of ours, 
Brooke have, have started these um, woman retreats that are called remember. And it's really, it's, it's really cool because it, okay. I just got like such the download this last weekend of how important it is for, for those of us, especially us women to, to create these groups, to gather together as, as women and, um, to realize who we are, um, and, and what we came here for and to just connect with other females in an intimate way, in a ceremonial way, in a sacred way is so powerful for us individually and also the earth. Like it is going to heal the planet. In my opinion, I feel like women gathering is so important at this time. And, um, so yeah, me, we've, we've created these retreats that we did our first one in, um, the summer and it was just so epic. And now we've decided to do them seasonally. So we'll be doing them seasonally. And our next one is October towards the end of October, the 21st through the 23rd. And, um, we work with the Wachuma, the San Pedro plant and, um, just the wealth of knowledge that Nicole has that she brings to the table with all of, you know, she's like an herbalist and she brings all the herbs and teaches all of the properties and everything that we can use in that aspect. And then just, um, me and, and what I bring of, you know, just who I am and also all that I've learned with like using my voice. I feel like, um, I am a prominent member of mountain tribe, but I feel like it's so crazy because I never sang before I met Eric. Like I never, I never sang in choir. I never was music. Our household wasn't a musical household. We didn't do music a lot. I listened to music and I loved it, but I never sang. And so, so when I met Eric, well, when we actually got together, which was like nine years ago, I had never sang and he is like an amazing musician. And so hearing him play his music, there was just something inside me that was like, I have to sing. Like, how can I not sing along to this music? It's like, it's almost like it was made for me. I can't not sing this, you know? And so I just started singing. And even though it wasn't maybe the right tune or the, the melody wasn't correct or, or whatever, I, he was just so patient and kind and loving that I knew he wasn't going to judge me or care. So I would just sing however I wanted to. And so over these past nine years, I've just developed this like, trust in my voice and trust in where or what needs to be shared and what comes out is going to be what needs to come out. And, and it's been so awesome. And I've had lots of little practices and I've done different like modalities of strengthening that in me, but all it comes down to is just trusting myself and I've had someone ask me like, so what's your daily practice on, um, like 
how you practice with your voice. And I'm like, like, do you, you have a practice of singing every day? And I said, well, yeah, I just sing all day long, like around the house and like, while I'm cooking and while I'm cleaning, like I'm singing. (laughs) So that's my practice. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So Nicole and I have created that together. I met Annie through Nicole. Um, and I don't know what their journey has been together. So Annie's been a new friend of mine since recently. And I've just, I'm really excited to even get to know her even more because she's just seems like, uh, you, I mean, you guys hear oh, Yeah, her, I mean, like, it, it's look, it, wait, she, glowy. You, you didn't even need to turn that lamp on, Annie. <laughs> you, gl- you glow. <laughs> That's very kind of you. And I can't wait to do stuff with you too and come hear you sing and dance while you're singing. <laughs> yeah, they you, you can't not dance when they sing. Eric, by the way, Eric is like a little Pied Piper of getting people to try to just do me. The reason I'm trying to learn to play the guitar and write my own songs and sing is because Eric is so encouraging about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to back to Annie. I just needed to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. Um I came to this little circle, coven, maybe I could say, of wonderful women through um, through a body worker that we all know in common, Rianne Cram. And she introduced me to Nicole and, and my quest and my effort to gain alignment and self-knowledge and consciousness and, and uh, real, uh, physical realignment as well as spiritual and emotional. Um, I was introduced to Nicole. And started working with Nicole, and my 64-year-old body started getting stronger and more grounded and more aligned. And I feel younger the years that I've been working with Nicole, which has been two. We started working before the pandemic, and I just feel more aligned and awake and um, present. I've just learned so much from our interactions. So that's that's where I'm from. <laughs> Annie, I do want to ask you, because we were talking about, I mean, before we hit record, it sounds like you've worked with, I don't know how, obviously can't share names, but like some pretty prominent Mormons, I guess. Um, Unbelievably so. Um, uh, yes. One in, in particular. Um, and people that have uh, used doing medicines and coming to gain consciousness of the emotions suppressed in their bodies, deciding to stay in the church, uh, the Mormon church, and to leave the Mormon church, um, which has been quite interesting. You know, know, we were talking about, you know, as Nicole went up the chakras and how they all impacted. um, Do you feel like people you work with who are able to stay in the Mormon church are still able to kind of enter in a new way with the church while still owning their own truth? Or, I mean, how how do you see that? I think so. I definitely think so. I think their, their personal work, which is really what, how I, we're all, I think, using medicines for personal work, for self-knowledge and and expanding our consciousness uh, allows them to have a greater relationship with their faith a more expanded relationship with their faith and uh it seems to fit nicely in in it's it for for the people i'm thinking about 
they're culturally Mormons. It's not necessarily their belief system or their religion, but it's their families. It's their heritage. It's their ancestries. It's their culture. And so to leave all of that would be ridiculous and, and not healthy <laughs> you know, for, for a lot of people. You know. We just experienced that at Mormon Palooza this last weekend, uh, for sure. Um, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's a beautiful, uh, when, when people come together around belief systems that nourish them and work for their souls, it's a beneficial thing, whether it be Mormonism or the Grateful Dead. (laughs) 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 I am a recent Grateful Dead convert, by the way. So I, that that hit, that landed with me. Yeah. 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 I've been part of the family since the sixties and the seventies and the eighties and the (laughs) nineties. Yeah, it's a long, strange trip we've been on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I understand that better now than I ever have before. Yeah. <laughs> Annie, grow, I mean, growing up in Texas, did you ever think that you would be sitting here having this conversation about helping facilitate healing amongst uh, members of the LDS church in the heart of the church's, I mean, core i mean in salt lake city of all places no i had no idea i I, the only thing i'd ever heard about mormons was that they would steal your wife (laughs) (laughs) that's all i do (laughs) i mean there's some truth to that so um and Nicole, I'm kind of curious because we were talking about like, uh, before we hit record, you know, a similar vein, we we're talking about the work you guys are doing. You sound like you just facilitated a, a ceremony that had a lot of Mormons in it. Yeah. So, um, I assist different shamans of different traditions, um, as an opportunity to learn and grow, um, because it's not my day job. Um, but on some weekends I've, I've been working currently with a Mayan elder and also Shipibo elders. And recently I was asked to assist in a, a gathering of 25 women and 22 of them either currently practicing or on the possibility of leaving the church or, you know, kind of, it's really difficult because like Annie was saying, this is your family. You know, this is, you don't want to, you just want to be able to kind of like follow what you do and love and connect and still have like picnics. So 22 of them had never worked with uh, plant medicine, which we were serving for two days. Um, the nerves were very, very high. It was super exciting because, um, for those of you listening, if you can remember back to your very first, uh, psychedelic experience and hopefully most of you are listening, it was a good one. Like they can bring up all sorts of things. And that's the beauty of like the difference between how I was introduced to psychedelics versus the concept of what this revolution is bringing, which is set and setting and a container and safety. And even more importantly, you know, integration specialists to help you make sense of everything that just happened and you became aware of, but the end of the two days, like, I mean, I work with, sacred herbs to smudge and clear like spiritual hygiene is a real thing when you're going into this and when you worry it creates some energy around you and we can kind of help with that we can let that energy move and clear and 
I was, I was smudging altars with pictures of Jesus, which, you know, that's my, he's my friend. Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. an incredible spiritual teacher, but, um, it was so powerful at the end. The, the facilitator who was creating this was so nervous because she's a pretty prominent, um, social media figure who has healed herself through yoga and jumped out of being a nurse and, and was raised, you know, wearing her garments and has taken them off. So she's got a lot of following and, and she just recently came out about her plant medicine being a big part of her journey of healing. And, um, there were over 400 people that applied and wanted to do this work. Um, she was very, very nervous providing it. And by the end that the heart opening and the awareness of these women and the healing, I says, I'm like, you're birthing witches. I mean, which is not a bad thing. It's not a pointy hat, ha 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 kind of thing. It's, it's the, el- the wisdom keepers of the plants and, and it's the mamas that want to take care of their babies. And it was really potent to see them jump into trusting something that they were taught would be really, really wrong or bad. And then in that two days, like evolve into just really open hearts and going through the dark night of fear, whatever, and coming back on the other side of the hero's journey with the tools that they need to go better their lives. Oh my gosh. So I'm, I I kind of have a question about advice. So I love this kind of theme where we're, we're talking about almost like the ethnicity of Mormonism or the, the cultural heritage. Of, of being a Mormon. I served a Mormon mission in Taiwan and, uh, you know, Chinese culture at this point is such that there's not really a, a, a predominant religion, but, but kind of mixed in with their, with their ethnicity, with their, with their heritage is sort of this hybrid of, of Taoism and, and Buddhism. And one of the things that we would really uh, come across I mean, almost on a daily basis was we're sitting here, these, these clearly white speaking, broken Mandarin uh, Chinese kids that are trying to say, telling these, you know, we're telling these stories about Jesus and we're telling these stories about the, the, the Joseph Smith story and the restoration of, of this concept of the priesthood. And what we would hear frequently is, you know, we would, and so then we would invite people. They, 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 they were so welcoming. And, and, and so, I mean, that, that's a huge part of, of that culture is just like, don't say, you know, you want to save face and allow people and, and learn more. And so we would feel like we were really getting somewhere with people. And then we would invite them to join the church through, through baptism and through, you know, that, that commitment. And they would always just really kindly say, oh, no, 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 no. We love learning and we love your, what you're teaching, but that's, that's for you people in the West. Like Jesus is like your homeboy. Like that's your, that's your guy. But we have, uh, we have the Dalai Lama. We have louds. We have like our teachers that were equally inspired, that were uh, a little bit more familiar with our culture and the way that we do things. And so I'm, I'm just so curious in this question for all three of you, there's, there's folks who go through this journey of self-discovery. Um, and, and they use the modalities that we've been talking about uh, tonight and, and the medicines. And there, then there is that thing of, well, I'm, I think I can be the best version of myself while maintaining my, my, my Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also people who feel like there's such a traumatic experience or that, that feeling of being lied to 
uh, within Mormonism who it's almost like leaving an abusive relationship. They, they, they have to escape. They have to get out of it. But then they're still dealing with that. This thing we're talking about, they're still dealing with like, that's my people. I, I, th- th- that's who I am. And my core is I, maybe I don't consider myself a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I do deeply consider myself Mormon. If, if that, if that distinction makes any kind of sense. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who is struggling with this cultural identity? Well, do you guys want to, I, I like the concept of individuation. Like once you've individuated and you know, you, you can pick and choose, you know, just like the, the sweet people that you were speaking Mandarin to like, thank you. We'd love to learn. Uh, I'm not a big fan of pharmaceutical companies. I think they've lied to us. And if I was in an accident where I was mangled, give me some morphine. Get that <laughs> I, morphine in me. Yeah. yeah. So like once we individuate to a higher consciousness and we're not in this like belief of myths and storytelling, it doesn't mean we have to like shame where we've come from. We can also love it and pick what works for us and, and leave behind the rest. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I think that perhaps for maybe all of us here, we're on a quest of self-discovery and self-examination and self-liberation and liberation for others and um, expansion of consciousness and opening our hearts. And whatever is in service of that is in service of us personally and of all humanity. I think Ram Dass put it best. I mean, really all we can do in any given moment for ourselves or anyone else is to quiet the mind, open the heart, and deal with the suffering in front of us. Mm-hmm. I feel like also just um, what, why, why do we have to like label so many things too? You know, it's like, Like there are so many places that I've learned from and taken what I wanted from these different cultures and different belief systems and thought, Oh, I really love that. I'm going to, I'm going to integrate that into my world. And it's from something that's totally like, I'm not labeling them and making them in different categories. It's like, this is things that resonate to me in my heart. And, and so it's just, how I'm going to be. And I don't know if we necessarily have to like say, well, since you grew up Mormon, now you have to be Mormon. You're the rest, you know, you're considered a Mormon now. And unless you want to, I mean, if you want to call yourself that too, that's great. I feel like call yourself that too, if you want, if you, but there are certain things with Mormonism that I love that I totally relate to. And I learned so much from and had some really strong values come from, but then there's a lot that I don't. And so there's, yeah, I guess for me, it's like, I just don't want to really label anything and say that I'm this or that. I'm just a a being walking the earth and using my heart to find the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, on that theme, it, it reminds me. So, when you guys spoke at the um, 
um, the symposium, you spoke on self-love and integration. And um, maybe we can touch a little bit on both of these a little bit here. Um, but there was a, a part of me, I'm realizing that, you know, now I'm made up of all these parts of me. And that, you know, missionary, the 19, 20, 21 year old missionary, Mike is still in there. And he, he served me well for a long time and kept me safe and, and also helped with my development. And, um, and so I think there's an element in healing in when I am like, not that I, I mean, I'm, how do I describe this? Cause I, I get very critical of the church sometimes. Right. And, and, um, but I'm trying to find a balance where I can love that part of me still, the part of me who was a sincere, devout believer in the church, because I, uh, that experience served me in some way. Um, even when I can be very angry and frustrated at the church. Um, and so I don't know, it's, it's a balance within myself. And I'm, that's not really a question, but I'm, I'm wondering if, if you guys have experienced some of that in self-love and loving these different parts of you uh, throughout you know, your life. Well, coming from my background as a stripper into my foreground as a holistic like medicine keeper, <laughs> like do I completely deny that you know, 10, 15 years of my life, or do I integrate that into what I am? So I believe that every soul comes here purpose to do something, to come to earth school, to learn. And no matter what our experience was, that was part of our lessons. And what are the gifts that came out? Like you were saying, as a missionary, I, I, I received some things. And so like, that is what you needed to do. Everyone's exactly where they need to be when they're there. And I also love like, like you, Mike, you were saying, you know, like you wholeheartedly like believed this thing. Um, but I think that that's not a bad thing. Like for you to have wholeheartedly given all that you could give to something that is such a great quality to have. Like right. that means you can wholeheartedly give your heart to something else, you know, just as, as deep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the brain research shows that when we use psychedelics, either most of us come to them recreation first and then perhaps spiritually, ceremonially and therapeutically, it expands the part of the brain where empathy is. And most of us, if we're not psychos psychotic or something, are pretty good at feeling empathy for others, but less so for ourselves. And as we do this work, we, we gain personal empathy. We feel good for and about ourselves. So we want to care for ourselves. And that makes it so that we want to care for everyone else and the planet around us all of that starts expanding um, with this work mm -hmm. i love that it, uh, i don't annie and nicole i don't know if you know uh janae was there when mike and i had our very first uh psychedelic experience our, our first mushroom experience and was there helping poor mike and i who were shit-faced drunk into a, a minivan to take us to a place where we then had our first 
psychedelic experience. And my God, Annie, you just described it where I, I, I felt an appreciation for, I, listen, I spent my whole life as a total bro, like what up bro kind of, kind of dude, like a, like a party, like good time, like a good time, Charlie. And, <laughs> you know, Janae was there as I suddenly had this um, life-changing experience of, oh shit, Ooh, I'm part of a whole planet here. I'm part of a whole thing where there are other people. And and in addition to other people, there are other, this whole thing is alive. This whole thing is something that I can feel and witness and care for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have a question with that, Janae. I, I'm just saying thank you to that. But um, my question is this, and this is kind of a, this is a tough one that I, I, I deal with, that I struggle with. My wife is a full-blown feminist. Like we're talking like she goes hard feminism and the work that the three of you do, uh, is, is women centric. It's focused on, on helping women heal. Those of us who, uh, there's two of us in this chat that are not women, but we want to be part of that. We want, I I hate using words like allies and feminists. I I don't like using that kind of, that kind of shit, but I, I do want to be someone who is cheering on to use to for lack of a better term or 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 part of the part of the healing process rather than a detractor but i also hate i also hate any kind of like patronizing uh vibe that i could put off so with the work that you're doing with women how can a couple of knuckleheads like mike and i how do how do we how do we help? Like, how are we part of that to, or maybe we're not even fucking part. Maybe that's part of the problem is I'm like, well, I'm part of this, but (laughs) what, what can there's, there are men listening to this podcast that are in the same boat. What's our role. Can we help? Can we be better? I mean, you're all nodding, but how, okay. How can we be better? (laughs) Well, I think the first thing to look at is, we're working, you know, from a Jungian standpoint, we all have an internal masculine and anima, an internal fem- feminine. Uh, I'm sorry, I mix it up. The animus is the, the anima is the feminine and the animus is the male. So all of us are, I feel, going through life, gaining consciousness and uh, strengthening, bringing to enlightenment the parts of us that are our internal feminine, our internal masculine. And um, that's what I'm working with, less what your genitals are and more what the, what's developing inside of myself and each of us that is the enlightened, expanded, awakening feminine and the enlightened, expanding, awakening masculine and how those balance each other within ourselves and without. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I feel like. I was getting so passionate about, you know, these women's groups are so important for, for the world. And for us, I'm, I am just as passionate about men doing the same thing, gaining these men's groups, getting in men's groups and creating this conscious masculine um, vibration that is so needed right now that, that 
we can get out of these old ways of looking at the masculine and the feminine and, and rise together, you know, and, and not have it be this like separate thing, but supporting each other. Like I, I love when there's a, a men's group or a men's circle or a song night that Eric can go to with the men and just connect with men. I think it's so important for men to do and for women to do for, for us to equally come together is really important. So I don't know if swearing's allowed on this podcast, but oh, I remember. Uh, it's we, swear quite, we, we swear quite a lot. Yeah. So there was a uh, picture behind the yoga studio desk that I uh, supported and I had a hippie raising a sign and she ha- said, fighting for feminism is like fucking for virginity. Uh, it's like the polar opposite of what we as women are designed to do. We're the receivers. That's the energy. And I agree with Annie that we're like working to balance the masculine and feminine within each of us. But I think that for me, there's this really powerful story that stands out that teaches me how to, that men can support the women doing this intuitive. I mean, we're the feelers and in order to feel and intuit the way we do, we sometimes go a little crazy. And that's not that we're bad. I always say women aren't crazy. We're hormonally challenged. Um, keep our blood sugar balanced. We're a lot better as wives. <laughs> but in, in with geese, when they're when they're flying and they have to travel thousands of miles to go south for the winter, the males lead the V. They put the strongest male in the front of the V because his wings flapping break the air and give lift to every goose in formation. But it's the feminine, the the female geese that fill the elders when they're tired and fill the babies when they're hungry. And they say to the male up front, hey, we need to land. We need to find shelter for the night and food. And what I think our society needs is to recognize that it's not the women that are the leaders or the men that are the leaders, but we have to like come together with our strengths. And, you know, women, our strength is about being sensitive. And if we're in the middle of trying to like fight or in some cases, like provide as a single mother, I had to become very masculine to provide both the the, the female part. I brought home the bacon and I cooked it. Um, but if I, you know, I'm in this marriage now where I'm softening and being supported and like tuning in deeper to these more intuitive ways that women are, are gifted at that men can also access, but have to work a little bit harder. Um, so like being that container for us to ride the waves of our emotions so that we can stay open, even when it hurts, even when it's like, so that through that openness, we can tell you, the elders are tired and the youngins are hungry and we need to land the ship for a moment and rest, go into the yin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad uh, uh, this is such a good conversation for me, but um, Doug, over the weekend, this was the most I've ever like cuddled with other men before uh, with you. And then a- another friend who was with us this last weekend and I loved it. I and we, we, cuddled, were, we cuddled a ton. We cuddled a ton. I got to be the big spoon to your little spoon. I tried I, my, my best, but Mike, I've never experienced uh, being a little spoon. I have never in my life experienced being a little spoon. So 
Annie, Nicole, just say, I'm, I'm six, five. I I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a big guy comparatively, but Mike was spooning me. I was a little spoon and I cannot tell you how that was lighting me up. The, the, sorry to take it in that direction, <laughs> but like I was lighting up, man. Like I was lighting all the way up. Yeah. I, love yeah. It. I mean, I, I just found that feeling, feeling the safety of other men put my internal feminine at ease too. Ah, right? and so yeah. I could, I, I was regulating my emotions better because I felt safe and held and mm. you no, know, we were massaging feet. We were, it was, it was a beautiful uh, weekend. And was. so, yeah, yeah, they just, it just brought that to mind as we were talking about men's groups and women's groups. How mm-hmm. lovely. How yeah. lovely. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, Being a little spoon is fun. Everybody should get an opportunity to do it once in their life. <laughs> I didn't know I could feel so safe for God's sake. I didn't know that that was even possible. <laughs> okay. So I, I hate to be this person because I want this. We, we try to keep this to about an hour and a half. That's kind of where we're at. What I would love to talk about is there, there are people listening to this podcast and they want to, they, they want to take action. They want to know how they can support what the three of you are doing. So would each of you mind taking a, a moment to talk about ways people can support you, whether that be following a thing or sending some money to you or buying a price, like whatever it might be. Are there ways people can support the work that you're doing? Yeah. Send me money. No, send kidding. money. Like here's my <laughs> bank <money>. account number. <laughs> so, for me, it's about taking responsibility with every choice that we make, the food that we buy right now and the way we live our lives. I'm, a, I'm an instructor now for the Institute that gave me all the knowledge that helps me in my private practice, which is very full. I'm in a really good place. I don't need you to send me money. But the Czech Institute, they provide a book called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. And this is like the owner's manual of the human body. And a lot of people um, who maybe are coming to psychedelics or just leaving the church can be like where you guys were initially, where it's like, whatever, I'm just going to drink a bunch of booze and then jump in a van and do some mushrooms. But in reality, we really want to like breed consciousness, not only through the way we work with medicine, but with with every choice that we make so that we can rise above the marketing and the corporations that are kind of like pillaging our earth. And so um, it's easy to Amazon, how to eat, move and be healthy. I let people know if you haven't read this book and followed it from cover to cover for six months, you'd be paying me to read you a story. Um, And if you're inspired by that, I work with people in um, private practice. And I also teach for the Institute and going and learning about, you know, holistic lifestyle coaching. If that's something you're interested in, we have classes all over the world. Thank you, Nicole. Yep. Annie, Janae, how could people support you? You go first, Janae. (laughs) (laughs) Go to a Mountain Tribe concert. (laughs) Yeah, come to the Mountain Tribe concert. Um, You can find out any of the Mountain Tribe concerts. um, We usually post on our social media pages. So like on Instagram or Facebook, we're Mountain Tribe Music. And... Um, yeah. And then check out our remember retreats for any of you ladies out there that would like to come to a woman's retreat. 
Yeah, they, they, they need to email us. It's kind of like uh, a vetted yeah. private invitation. So it's really about like um, being balanced in your, your life first before you jump into things like retreats, but yeah. you can find that information through con- contacting me. Yeah. Well, um, I think for me right now and what, is occurring in my life is I'm stepping back off the front line. I've been kind of on the front line for a long time and certainly through the pandemic. And I'm finding that um, my work is really internal right now. And I'm turning towards myself and my own personal growth and taking a hiatus from being a witness or a therapist um, so what I'm participating in, interested in, is um, supporting people that are training to become psychedelic therapists. Um, and the institute that I work with is the, psych- the Psychedelic Somatic Institute. And it's an organization that's training psychedelic therapists. And I think turning towards that, supporting people that are are stepping forward in this renaissance we're in together and this Armageddon that we're moving through um, to feel supported and uh, nourished and awakened into uh, their calling perhaps to step into this place. So that would be the best thing for all of us, I think. Annie, I love that um, for so many reasons. I mean, we started out talking about you, you know, working with, you're surprised at the, you know, uh, number of like Republicans who are coming out to see you. And uh, it's, it's just showing that the age we're living in now where the stigma is falling off on these substances. And yeah. I think it's going to be more and more. And when we've had uh, uh, other guests who have talked about having almost visions on psychedelics saying, uh, the floodgates are going to open soon and we need people trained to hold space. And so if you're feeling the call to it, what better way to then, you know, we always say like, it's one thing to feel the call. And then, you know, a lot of people will take mushrooms once and say, Hey, I want to hold space now. Well, that's great. But like, what an opportunity to go and work with an Institute like this and really train, especially, you know, in the, in the next little while. And then when as the, this gets more and more destigmatized, um, you you will be ready to hold space for people in a powerful way. And, and there's there so many uh, paths to the top of the mountain. Of course, there's so many traditions, and you know, medicines are a tool. There's so many different ways to use the tool of the medicine. The PSI is one uh, modality, but there are many. Um, Nicole's work is different from that and Janae's and, you know, working with different medicines, working with different populations that have different issues that they're working through. So there's, it's just this branching tree of knowledge that seems to be sprouting in and amongst us right now. And so it's almost like leaning in, you know, following those synchronicities and following your heart and what's calling to you. I mean, at one point I thought, oh, I want to be a facilitator. And then as I felt into it, I'm like, no, I like working with the unconscious. I like working with dreams. I like working with probably integration. And so I've, you know, chosen to pursue a PhD in Jungian psychology, but that's after I was feeling into 
what path on that tree was where that was leading me. Mm, mm, mm. Have you heard of the book, The Immortality Key? Yeah, I just finished it like two months ago. Good Lord. So Jungian psychology feeding into the immortality key, those two blend really well in in my mind. (laughs) I I need to, I need to, uh, I need to read it. It's a, it's a, it's a life changer. Yeah. The the researcher um, is not a psychedelic person. He's a classicist in, in Sanskrit and Greek. And he was interested in the earliest archaeological record of using a, a psychedelic medicine to, uh, ceremonially. And they found that the Neanderthals were using spiked beer in funereal services. Hmm. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't it amazing in that book? Like, I mean, he, he goes and I mean, he, he spends time in Greece. He spends time in all these, these places where, where a lot of this originated and how easily, you know, we, we have this almost like sort of like global narrative but how easily just asking a few questions to key people, maybe a museum curator, maybe a person who's a, a, a historian, how easily he gets. And, and for the sake of the book, maybe it seems easy, but he just gets those real stories about the historical significance of these medicines and these uh, methodologies that uh, our, our ancient peoples, our ancient uh, ancestors used. That's not part of that history book narrative. It's so, to me, reading that book blew my mind because I was like, why, why is this so readily available? I thought this had to be like deep, dark research that was done in like, like shadows and stuff like that. And they're just like talking about it like, it's like, oh, yeah, let's talk about it over a beer or whatever. You know, it's like, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yes, I we are in book. a renaissance. We're yeah. in an awakening. Yeah. 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 Yay. What a time to be alive, right? <laughs> Annie, Nicole, Janae, I can't, I, I honestly can't like verbalize how, how grateful. Thank you so much for the conversation tonight. I can't believe how much I went through while we're talking. I, I typically sit here and try to just think up good shit to say, but I, I was captivated. Thank you so much for this tonight. Oh, Deeply. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us and thank you for your courage, both of you, and your vulnerability. Your willingness to share your vulnerability is is a wonderful thing to see, to be witness to, and uh, it gives me courage to open up to mine. Oh, Mm -hmm. my goodness. Thank you. That means a lot. And I just want to say, you know, I know it's a little hard to navigate a a Zoom screen with five people. So I would love to, you know, bring you guys on individually, too. I'm glad we did it this way at the beginning because I think there's just a really good synergy of all with all you guys together um yeah but i think we're only scratching the surface on what we can learn from you <laughs> Same, dude. well sure pleasure to get to talk with you three you two girls and and you guys it was pure pleasure thank you so much for including me yeah, that was so fun i love you guys so much i love <laughs> you thank you oh my gosh thank you <laughs>